0: Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and we're getting to less than a week away to the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft, and we're talking more draft leading up to Thursday's kickoff of the first round, and on today's show, we have the editor of Roll Bama Roll, the SB Nation site. He's a Seahawks fan and a former Field Goals contributor, Brent Taylor. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brandon.
1: Thanks for having me on. I'm happy to be here.
0: Happy to have you on and happy to talk a little bit of Alabama guys because one thing that I was noticing, Brent, is just da- looking down the list of, of guys that are going to be in the draft and uh, there's a pretty significant amount of Alabama players, especially when you look at guys projected in those first four rounds. And uh, it's so I, I can imagine for you who's a fan of the Seahawks, who's a fan, of Alabama, that this could be an exciting time for you to just see where a lot of these guys end up going in the NFL.
1: I, you know, it really is every year. It's one of my favorite things. Uh, but for whatever reason, one uh, one of the main things I do for our site is recruiting. So all the high school players moving to college, and then all the college players moving to the pros. I just really enjoy that game of hey, this guy really did good on this team. Is he going to do really good on the next team? Right. So it's exciting. Um, And yeah, when when the Seahawks pick an Alabama player, I I just get so excited.
0: There's only been a few. There's only been a few guys. Jaron Reed and uh, we're talking about Jesse Williams and then going all the way back to, you know, probably the most notable Alabama player. And that's Sean Alexander. Oh, yeah. So
1: Sean Alexander was the first, I guess, football player whose name that I knew was was a football player. He was like the guy. So Alabama does not have a pro team. Um, So at about that time, I was deciding, well, who am I going to pull for? And Seattle drafted Sean Alexander, so I said, oh, I'm a Seattle fan. There you go. So now now I've ended up with this cross-country fandom from Alabama to Washington.
0: Yeah. Well, Brent, what do you say we get right into some of these Alabama players? Because... It's a little bit top heavy when it comes to some of the guys from the Tide. Is that, especially when you consider quarterback Tuatonga Valoah, wide receiver Jerry Judy, uh, the other wide receiver Henry Ruggs, and then the tackle Jedrick Wills. I'm guessing we probably don't need to talk about either of these four guys because they probably aren't going to be available when the Seahawks pick, right? Uh, not likely. Uh, earlier
1: in the season, I thought maybe Jedrick Wills would slide under the radar enough, mm. but you know, he was kind of being looked at at maybe that 20-ish range uh, up until the combine. And then he had a really good combine and shot up. And now he's kind of looking at probably a 10 to 15 overall pick. So that that one's out.
0: I mean, I'd, I'd be fine with two as Russell Wilson's backup. But uh, it, it would seem like a waste of a first round pick if he falls to the end of the first round.
1: Oh, that will tear me apart. <laughs> I, I just love Russell Wilson. But how can I cheer to keep? two on the bench. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'd do.
0: The nightmare scenario for for uh, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I might implode. Well, let's start with a couple of players who I think will be more likely for Seattle to be interested in and be within the range of being available either late in the first round, early on in the second round. I know we, we have that expectation that the Seahawks could trade back either late in the first round or into the second round. And I want to talk about defensive line, guys, because it is a need for the Seahawks And there's three players in particular that I'm interested in uh, from the Crimson Tide. And that's, uh, let's start with the edge player Terrell Lewis, uh, 6'5", 262 pounds. He's a guy I feel like checks off all the boxes for measurements that the Seahawks look for. You know, he has the 33-inch-plus arms. He has a broad jump over 10 feet. He he jumped 37 inches. And uh, the thing about him, I wonder if he's available kind of in this range because, you know, he tore his ACL in the 2018 season. He missed that entire season, but he was back in 2019. And uh, I don't know if he was hampered at all by coming back from that particular injury. He did have quite a bit of time to recover from it. But with the Seahawks and Edge being one of their biggest needs, could you see Lewis as a guy that Seattle takes with their first pick?
1: So Terrell Lewis has been been a really interesting story for the last four years. When Alabama was recruiting him, I remember watching his high school film, and he's just like this giant 6'6 guy in 11th grade that, you know, he'd rush a quarterback, and his arms are spread wide, and he looked like an eagle or a pterodactyl or something just taking down these tiny quarterbacks. And It was was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, So then his freshman year, he kind of appeared a little bit in mop-up duty. We saw him here and there. You know, did well as a backup. Mm -hmm. And then 2017 kind of over the off season, he got the starting job. And then tore his pectoral, I think, in the season opener, like the third play of the game. Oh, wow. And missed the entire 2017 season until the national championship game when he made an overtime sack. Obviously, everyone's getting excited at that point. He's you know, the big measurable 6'6", 250, gets hurt. And then as soon as he comes back in, makes the overtime sack in the national championship game. So then, 2018 gets started, and he tears his ACL in August. Mm. So we miss a whole another year. Right. So now 2019 rolls around. He's a senior. We've still seen him play in one game as a starter, even though he's been a starter for three years. Right. And uh, probably the first five games of the season or so, he was on limited snaps. So they they'd let him play, you know, here and there. And after he played so many snaps, the coaches would take him out of the game. Just as precautionary, and he, you know, he flashed at times, and you'd see there'd be times when he'd do this little counter move or a stunt, or even spin off the tackle. And when he sacks a quarterback, it's it's scary to watch. It's like the quarterback is standing there, and then he's on the ground, and you're like, what happened? There (laughs) isn't any lag time between when he breaks past the lineman and when that QB goes down. But then he'd also be gone for you know seven eighths of the game, and that was. Kind of how really the whole season went for him. Uh, He'd make a couple of splash plays, and then you don't see him again. So I think one thing to bring up is there's a little bit of scheme difference between what Alabama runs and what Seattle runs. Sure. So uh, Alabama's based on a is based on a three-four defense that has evolved into more of a nickel four-two-ish, but typically they'll have three kind of three big linemen with one that acts as an edge player and then one linebacker that also rushes. Okay. That that would be kind of similar to a Leo and Seattle system. And that's what Lewis typically did, but he would sometimes move over to more of the big defensive inside.
0: Well, let's talk about one of the other guys who might fit that role. And that's a guy who played outside linebacker, Anthony Jennings. He doesn't have the height that Lewis has, and he doesn't quite have the arm length that the Seahawks would be looking for. But I, I think it's, You know, essentially a a rounding error uh, away from being 33 inch arms. And he's a guy that, again, I think that has had health issues and had a ligament tear in his knee during the 2018 Sugar Bowl against Clemson. It damaged the artery in his left leg. And I was seeing reports that he could have needed amputation because of this artery damage. Fortunately, the doctors were able to to save his leg. And so I think there are some injury concerns there too. What's your take on Jennings?
1: Jennings is a lot more, I'd say, solid and consistent player than Lewis is. So so the two are kind of bookend edge rushers that Jennings is a little stouter, I guess. He's about 260 with four less inches. Yeah. So he, he typically played on the line, but you'd also see a move to even a defensive tackle spot in some sub-rush packages. Uh, but but overall, he's a much more consistent player. The biggest games was when Jennings would show up the most. He's got a very the, kind of despite his size, he's best at a just a pure speed rush coming around the edge and chasing chasing someone down from behind. And and he's pretty good against the run too. The biggest issue you'll see with Jennings is if somebody gets outside of him, he just doesn't have the lateral speed to Mm -hmm. keep a guy contained in like that so you see him chasing guys a lot but uh pass coverage wise he he actually dropped back in the pass coverage a good bit too did okay as long as he's not covering like a full field crosser or something Mm -hmm. so i would say if they're both available at the same pick lewis probably has the upside there but if if i were a gm i'm going jennings
0: just more of the safer pick yeah
1: a little safer and uh, honestly he's more impactful
0: well, one of these guys I feel like is going to be the most impactful guy on the defensive line. And that's just from the, the little bit that I've watched of him and the Seahawks. They also need uh, some help at the interior defensive line. And so it wouldn't shock me if they use their first pick to go with a defensive tackle. And another guy here that, that fits so much of what Seattle looks for long arms. You know, they look for 32 inch arms or longer on the interior. Raquan Davis, you know, 6'6", 311, 34-inch arms. He ran a 1.78 10-yard split, which is good speed for an interior guy, had a 9-foot 3-inch broad jump and a 28-inch vertical. So he has some of those explosive traits that the Seahawks look for. And one of the things about Davis too uh, that he actually competed in these drills in the combine where Lewis and Jennings didn't. And considering, you know, Pete Carroll's always compete mentality, do you think that could give him an edge toward maybe being the Seahawks top pick
1: Oh, over the two linebackers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I-, I would say as a first rounder, I think that would be a pretty strong reach. Okay. If you're dropping back mid second round or somewhere in there, absolutely. But I actually think Davis is one of those guys that could be a better pro in a different scheme mm-hmm. than he was in college. So his sophomore year, he he was used basically only in passing downs uh, as an interior rusher guy, kind of like how the Seahawks used Clinton McDonald or one of those guys. Yeah, and he was awesome. I think he had eight sa eight and a half sacks. So um, after that, he kind he he got the starting job and became more of a two gapping full time lineman for Alabama's base three four, and he he's really spent the last two years. Trying to rediscover what he had his sophomore year, and he, he's improved each year at a, a lot of the fundamentals of two gapping. And in fact, if you watch his game against Auburn this year, which was right at the end of the season, it's probably the best one I've ever seen him play. He, he was getting up there, shedding blocks left and right, and you know, keeping the running back from getting anywhere. But you know, he he's continued to get better in those small ways like that in run defense, but. The explosive attack that we saw from him the sophomore year has never really come back. So that, that's what you're looking at there. Uh, but if he goes back to a, a more of a one-gap one attacking scheme that you'd see from Seattle, then you, you might see him a little more. I, I will say Raekwon's energy and attitude are a lot of fun to be around. It, it, he's a dancer when he gets the sack. <laughs> so he can be pretty fun.
0: Well, that could fit in well then. Well, I I guess I'm not hearing a lot of of potential guys for the end of the first round. Let's take a quick break. And I do have a couple guys that I want to talk to you about, you know, defensive backs uh, there. There are some exciting players for Alabama at defensive back. Let's come back for the break and talk about those guys. joined by Brent Taylor the editor of Roll Bama Roll the Alabama SB Nation site and we're talking potential Alabama draft picks for the Seahawks and we hit on the defensive line before the break and it kind of leaves us with the some some other guys on defense. I also want to talk about some of the offensive guys too for Seattle, but let's talk about some of these guys that are more projected to go at the end of the first round or maybe even toward the middle of the first round. Safety Xavier McKinney is one of these guys. He has been talked about as you a know, potential top 20 pick, but you know he cramped up during his 40 time at the NFL Combine. It ended up being kind of a disappointing 4.63. Chances are he could be off the board from a lot of the, the mock drafts and a lot of the analysis that I see. But I do want to get your thoughts on him just in case he either falls to Seattle or considering, you know, maybe they could package up pick 27 with one of their second round picks to move up into the early 20s. How would you feel as a Seahawks fan about that kind of trade?
1: I don't know if I'd really be okay with a big trade up for him. Maybe a spot or two, but but if he fell to the Seahawks natural pick, yeah, I'd I'd be pretty happy with it. I, I like McKinney. He's a very he's a very solid safety, and Alabama's defense this year was a bit down by Alabama standards. Uh, both middle linebackers were true freshmen, so McKinney spent a lot of time cleaning stuff up. He, he did a great job, just as a solid tackler, and he, he's definitely faster than that four six four forty. I wouldn't think he'd be above a four five, but pr- probably like the four five two, four five five range, somewhere in there would be a little more accurate than that four six something. But he's got good speed, good good instincts, good tackler. Decent ball skills, decent coverage. I don't think he's really a like an elite standout safety, but he's not really going to make mistakes, and he's he's not going to miss tackles.
0: Yeah, I've seen him mocked as you know, kind of in that neighborhood of the Miami Dolphins inside the top twenty. So that would be something. So maybe maybe too much of a reach to try and go up and get him at that point. How about cornerback Trayvon Diggs, another guy who is could potentially be off the board by the time the Seahawks pick. It's a guy who I feel like we've seen mocked to the Seahawks quite a bit. You know, one of the players who opted to pass on a lot of the testing at the combine to wait for his pro day. And then the pro days get canceled. But at least we know that he has that arm length that the Seahawks covet. But considering how, you know how rare it is for the Seahawks to take a (laughs) defensive back early. I mean, Shaquille Griffin, the highest drafted corner, uh, what what do you think the chances are that the that Pete Carroll could be looking at Trayvon Diggs?
1: Oh, he definitely could, and you know the media is they they, they love mocking a 6-2, 6'3 cornerback to Seattle. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, you know it's the it's the easy thing to do, but Diggs really would fit pretty well in the system. So a- Alabama secondary typically runs a quarters pattern matching, so that outside guy he typically played left outside or right outside Sherman's old spot. Yeah. Whichever side you like to be your right and left. (laughs) Defensive
0: left, offensive right, I suppose. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, so
1: he's typically played more of a quarters type zone there. So the the way Alabama will run it is depending on what the slot guy does. He either takes the underneath guy or goes deep, but he doesn't really often cross the field, Mm. which is pretty similar to Seattle's cover three base. So that that would translate pretty well. He's got a good press coverage and then can bail off deep with a guy and stay with him well. So anyway, Diggs is a guy that came to Alabama as a receiver. And so he's Stefan Diggs' younger brother, Right. If, if you happen to miss that. right. <laughs> but so he came as a receiver and actually as a true freshman earned the starting punt return job. And, you know, he got some time as a backup receiver, even as a freshman, which doesn't really happen often. Mm. So – most of the fans were pretty excited about him, like, all right, this guy's winning the coach's trust in an important position, like punt returner, which Alabama's typically favored. Hey, if you can fair catch it without dropping it, that's a lot better than being a good returner. <laughs> so make good decisions. That's kind of been a priority. So that, that spoke to a lot that as a freshman, the coaches had that trust in him. But then 2017 came and he actually swapped the corner right before the season started and got the starting job. And then ended up getting benched about two quarters later. Oh, wow. So, he, he kind of played back up for another year and 2018, man, he was playing lights out as a first-year starter and then he broke his leg. <sighs> so, it, you know, he was being talked about as like a rising junior, possible first-round pick and then breaks his leg and he comes back for a senior season and really for the first, probably three quarters of the year, he was amazing. So, you, you'd see a lot of He's, he's really good at kind of using those receiver skills and just going downfield. You can see him jump and make this kind of crazy diving one-handed swat. He got one in 2018. It was either against D.K. Metcalf or it might have been A.J. Brown, one of those old Miss guys, mm-hmm. and they had five NFL receivers on the same team. <laughs> it, I mean, it's just a crazy one-handed sprinting down the field breakup, and he does those quite regularly. And then at the same time, you'll see him get turned around and just totally lost on a deep ball and completed. So it's kind of like this Jacqueline Hyde on the same type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's really weird.
0: Do you see him being a first round, somebody going for him in the first round, or do you think he's going to be a guy who slips ultimately to the second round or later? I think it'll be second
1: round. I, I think teams are going to see some of the injury history. They'll see a little bit of the coverage inconsistencies. They'll see the sitting out the combine and sitting out the bowl game and they'll see his tackling, which is not good. <laughs> um, that, that's kind of the big thing. I think the coverage bit will be fixed. Uh, that's, I think that's just a uh, new to the position still. Yeah. And it shows up occasionally. He's got the speed. He's got the size. He's got the footwork, but the, the tackling is he, he's had some issues.
0: Well, and one of the things that I trust about Pete Carroll is that he will he will find the guys who have all of the talent and find a way to to coach that guy into a better player. A lot like we saw with Shaquille Griffin, a oh, third yeah. round guy, and he didn't have the greatest tape uh, in, in his college game. You know, a lot of slants where he got beat on, and uh, there were some weaknesses to his game too. And even even with Diggs, I think the second round, I, it, it probably makes it a little more likely. But also considering the fact that the Seahawks just traded for Quentin Dunbar, it it seems unlikely to me. But I suppose with Griffin being up for a contract next year with Quentin Dunbar being up for contract next year, it could be possible for with the limited offseason program. The Seahawks could be looking to sign guys primarily to play in the backup role in their first rookie season uh, before taking on more of a, a premier role on the team. Yeah,
1: it would be be a bit of a luxury pick, but I don't know. That's one that could work out. And I do think Diggs would fit this scheme better than he would a lot of other pro teams.
0: Well, we've kind of gone through a lot of the, I'd say, you know, the first two, three round type guys. Uh, I don't know. I've seen Jennings projected all over the place. And, you know, I don't know where if, if he would be a day two or day three type guy, but Some late round options, maybe guys that weren't invited to the combine for Alabama. Uh, Who are some of those guys that are on your radar as potential, maybe day three options for the Seahawks?
1: So there's a couple of defensive backs and Cheyenne Carter and Jared Maiden. So Maiden's got good size and speed, Mm -hmm. but I don't expect him to get drafted. He's, again, not, not the best tackler and okay coverage guy, but he's someone that you know, Seattle might look at as a safety corner hybrid kind of guy that be a good undrafted free agent. Uh Shyam Carter, probably not. He he's kind of small, short arms.
0: So I, I don't see that one being a fit. Yeah, I saw he had I think under thirty inch arms even. Probably. He looks like he's my size on TV and I'm <laughs> small. But uh
1: the, the fun one though is offensive tackle Matt Womack. Uh, I've been holding on to this guy for basically all day. And then you sent me an email right before this started <laughs> saying, Hey, what about this guy?
2: Was like,
1: yeah. oh. <laughs> that was my surprise guy. So Matt Lomack was the starter at right tackle for Alabama in 2017.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's this, I mean, hulking six foot seven 330 pound dude out of, I mean, country Louisiana. And Man, he's a run blocker. Uh, There's not a whole lot in the way of dropping back and pass blocking and keeping up with any sort of speed rush. But you put a guy in front of him and tell him, hey, block him into the end zone. That guy's going into the end zone. So he he was the starter for a full year. Did okay other than they kind of had to help him out on third down. Teams started blitzing over the right side like that. Okay. Then going into 2018, he broke an ankle or a toe or something like that and had to miss like the first three weeks of the season and that's when Jedrick Wills replaced him and started his upward rise okay which like hey he got replaced by Jedrick Wills who's probably gonna be a top 10 tackle yeah well, where's the shame in that so Lomac has since then he's kind of been the primary backup at tackle and guard for Alabama the last two years uh anybody gets hurt he normally goes in at Again, tackle or guard, left or right, either one. And then this year, they've used him a lot as that extra tight end. So, hey, the George Fant role.
0: Well, and he has he has some of the athletic speed because now he didn't get a combine invite. But one of the things that I liked about him is that he held his own mock pro day where he's been training apparently down in Florida and ran a 5 second 40 yard dash uh, a 1.65 10 yard split which is which is great for an offensive lineman and uh, bench- I'm not sure <laughs> I believe it but that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's I don't yeah that seems a little bit uh, too good to be true if you ask me but uh yeah 26 times on the bench press I, I think that's probably something with video that you can uh, that, y- that you don't have to fudge at all but uh I I think that maybe as a potential late ground guy that this could be a guy to look for.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's still available, seventh round, sixth, round, maybe even sixth round. Yeah. Hey, take a shot. Make him your sixth offensive lineman, kind of a swing guy, wherever you need him, and throw him in a tight end on the goal line.
0: There you go. Or do you, do you see him as potentially as a guard type prospect too at the NFL level, or do you think he's got to be more outside on the on the tackle spot or tight end? You know, playing that George Fant tight end role. Um, I, I don't know. See, it, it was one of those things after Wills replaced him, a lot of us thought,
1: hey, maybe Womack's going to move inside, play guard, and win that over. He, you know, He's already big and strong and mm-hmm. run blocks well and doesn't drop well. But he never, I don't know, he just kind of stayed over at tackle and was happy to be be the backup, I guess. So he could be a decent guard or I don't know. Maybe he's
0: too tall. 6'7 is a really tall guard. its its a, He's a big dude for a guard, but they, they like their maulers. Oh, yeah.
1: Put him right beside DJ Fluker and you got a lot of size.
0: <laughs> well, Brent, really want to thank you for coming on the show. Before we get on out of here, though, before we finish up this episode, I got to ask you about Tua um, and okay. because I just I want to know what kind of NFL quarterback you think that he's going to be.
1: I absolutely love Tua. I mean, he is the best quarterback I've ever watched, definitely at Alabama, probably in college at all. Which, you know, I've only been watching college football for, uh, I'm still young. But if I were an NFL GM, I'd absolutely be leery of him. The The injury history is very real, and it's hard to get around that. I mean, it's just been one after the other since he's been here. But, you, you know, if you throw throw that injury history out and said, I'm not even going to look at that, I'm totally fine with it. I think they were all flukes. That there's only really two major negatives that get thrown around. And the first is arm strength. And you keep saying, oh, he can't throw 60 yards. He can't throw 55 yards. And uh, I always think that's kind of a funny one because we, we end up that with one quarterback or another every year. Yeah. There's one guy that's really good that can't throw that far, and one guy that can throw really far that's not that good. <laughs> and they end up getting flip flopped in draft positions because I don't know, people
0: overthink it. Yeah. So Justin Herbert, I think, I, th- I feel like you're taking a shot at Justin Herbert there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it could be Herbert. I actually <laughs> haven't watched a whole lot of Herbert. Yeah. So I, I won't speak, but you know, here, Josh Allen's from last year, someone like that. sure. But the, the fun thing about Alabama's offense is this year, they kind of threw in a lot of digs at him for throwing a whole bunch of slants. And that, that was very much a Steve Sarkeesian offense. But this is Sarkeesian's first year. I mean, it's, Definitely a West Coast timing-based offense and it's a lot different from what Tua was throwing in 2018, which was a very vertical, like play-action vertical-based offense. And everyone just kind of forgets that it was like our entire offense was deep bombs in 2018. So that that part doesn't bother me. And the other is Alabama's receivers make them look good. Yeah. Of course, (laughs) You, you know, there was that time in... 2013, where Marshawn Lynch made Russell Wilson look good, and the defense made Marshawn Lynch look good. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, yeah. it's one of those things. There were definitely some really good receivers, but hey, Tua always hit guys. I mean, in stride.
0: So let's just a, a hypothetical scenario. Let's say all the Jimmy G stuff is true with San Francisco. They have the 13th overall pick. I know a lot of people projecting, you know, the the wide receivers. You know, either Rugs or Judy to go to San Francisco. But if Tua is there, and and oh, say man. all the all the, the don't do this to me. <laughs> would you be happy or sad if Tua went to the 49ers?
1: Oh, I'd be so upset. <laughs> okay, like oh, that'll, that'll be hard. I don't know what I'd do. I'd have to cheer for him, but like I couldn't.
0: I just had to know. I, I just I need to know where your heart lies on this oh, part.
1: That would hurt. That that might be worse than putting him in direct competition with russell wilson
0: brent taylor of roll bama roll the alabama sb nation site brent if people want to check out i'm sure you guys got a lot going on at the alabama site and uh you guys got some draft previews going on what what do you got going on here leading up to the draft
1: uh we'll be starting up our draft previews pretty soon uh then obviously i'll do most any of the uh, afterwards, people get drafted where they're going, and I, I normally end up reaching out to a bunch of you SB Nation blogs and saying, "Hey, I'll do whatever content you want on these guys." Definitely got some, you know, hazard of the job. Families of Alabama players that don't get drafted send me angry emails. <laughs> uh, it, it happens. It's fine. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, we'll do that. Uh, the other thing we're doing is just kind of walking back and doing a kind of a fan voted all decade team where I'm just setting up tiers of wide receivers. Like, Hey, Julio Jones or Mario Cooper, who you
0: got and watching our commenters just duke it out. It's a lot of fun. You know what? If you published some of those letters from families, that would be, I I would tune in for that for sure. Oh gosh. Uh, (laughs) I'll avoid that. Uh,
1: (laughs) You know, occasionally you do get some from a former player that maybe didn't go pro or something. And, you know maybe i just happened to highlight a play from 2009 where he contributed and just reaches out to him and said hey really appreciate you like you know putting us in putting us in memory and so it is really cool it's oh, a cool, cool it's a cool gig
0: brent really want to thank you for coming on and helping break down the alabama guys uh, definitely check out uh, the alabama site as well at sb nation and we'll look forward to talking to you if, if one of these guys ends up on the seahawks next week absolutely a big thanks once again to Brent, and he's going to be back. We're going to do a part two, and Brent and I are going to look at some of the SEC prospects just outside of Alabama, but still inside the conference. Players that he's familiar with, players that, you know, having that perspective, a guy that you might want on your NFL team eventually. So we'll get Brent back on. We'll talk about that coming up next. And so be sure to subscribe to the show, slash NFL podcasts. Stay tuned, more to come. And until then, go Hawks.